This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn, and the fun has already started here at TDPS, TDPS Presents. Presents Christopher and Eric. Okay, we have to tell people why we were laughing, because it wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't. So we're recording these remotely, still, and we have to sync up our microphones from our respective homes, and so we have to clap at the same time. And apparently I was having trouble clapping on time. I was I blame the it delay is, of FaceTime. It is completely impossible to tell because when Brandon says good, it seems to me that it's never once that we've clapped at the same time. <laughs> but there's a time delay because we're on FaceTime while we're recording separately at home. So there's actually two different tracks being recorded and then we're seeing each other in FaceTime so that when we do the clap, Brandon is seeing one thing and we're seeing two other time frames. And so it seems like... We never clap at the same time. I would never know how to gauge, but Brandon sees us both clapping at the same time, so he actually can tell when we've when we've slated our particular um, recording. It doesn't uh, make any sense to me, accurately. but let me explain. We are we we hear and see each other on FaceTime, but we're recording into microphones on our own computers, and then those files are spliced together by our amazing sound genius, Brandon Griffith. This has been a really technical and unplanned opening to this episode of TDPS Presents Christopher that, and Eric. That was a lot funnier, apparently, before the show started, because <laughs> nobody's now. laughing now. Uh, it's not funny Christopher, now. once again, squeezes all the funny out of... <laughs> Happy almost birthday, Eric Shaw Quinn. Happy just after your birthday, Christopher yeah, Rice. It is... Big events. You're just getting on up there. Christopher, yeah. yeah, the 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 championship quarterbacks from the Super Bowl that Christopher used to babysit have been retired for a number okay. number of years now. That's how old Christopher is. That that's enough of that. That's enough of that nonsense. I did babysit um Peyton? Oh crap. Peyton no. Peyton was a was I went to high school with the Mannings. Eli, I bet our straight sound designer had to correct me over the microphone. Eli Manning, I used to babysit when I was a kid. He was a very good kid, great kid. Peyton is older than Eli. Yeah, Peyton. Peyton is older than. <laughs> We're Eli. getting the nod from Brandon because there's no way Christopher and I would know this. Well, Christopher would well, know. I it remember. He actually Peyton, grew up with him. They lived across the street from him. Peyton was a junior in high school or in high school when I was a freshman. So yeah, that's how I remember Peyton. And that's about as much as I know about his football career, too. No, 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 not knocking him. But I just I don't follow pro so, sports. So I'm going to ask one more football related questions oh, and then no, stop really? because it's Brandon's going to have to answer it. So did Eli retire first, even though he's younger? 
Oh, Peyton retired okay. first. Our, our folks at home can't hear Brandon. Peyton retired first and Eli just retired is the answer that we're getting from Straight America on this question. Thank you, Straight well, America. Well, from football dialed in America. I'm I sure know. there are gay football fans I too. Know. But I know. I know. We don't want to discriminate, but yeah. Yeah. Definitely somebody be... who's more likely to know. Unlike they... Tom Brady and Joe Montana. Those are the two football players that I know. Yes. And that's it. This ends our episode about football. Let's talk about what so we really want to talk about. Eli Manning. Wow. Yeah. Why, why, why? Wow. Why does that get a wow? I just thought it was the other one. Anyway. No. Like, I don't know. He would have babysat me. He was older. He couldn't, I couldn't have been trusted with him. Well, it wouldn't have been really babysitting. He was just a year older than you. Well, or two years. Okay. Why and are we he's still, still talk- retired for quite else? a number Can of I years. Can I say something else? I want to say something else. A peek behind the curtain. And I'll try to make this one funny, Eric Shaw Quinn. This I know is, I drained all the How old are you? Your birthday was when? I'm sorry. Go ahead. 43. I'm 43. Wow. I ha- now have the distinction of celebrating two birthdays in the coronavirus pandemic here in the United States. It's my second Actually, COVID birthday. Actually, your last birthday we celebrated at a restaurant. You were not part of the, the quarantine for the pandemic. We were still pretending that there wasn't one. In fact, today is actually the day that this will first air, the 14th of March, is actually the date when we were going to have our joint birthday celebration at The Standard, which is now out of business. Um, mm-hmm. And we canceled because... Um, it just didn't seem like it. We just it just felt too weird. We actually recorded our last studio recording. Our last studio recording on the fourteenth. It's the last time I went out of the house. Yeah, I really uh, miss. Other than getting uh, a flu shot, and you had a you had a walking period. You had a period before all of California caught fire when you went out to take sort and of spirited exercise walks, but then you couldn't breathe. Yeah, it sucks, and that's why we want to talk about something cheerful today because. We thought, wouldn't it be fun to talk about the movies and television shows that allow us to travel great distances that we can't travel currently? And so we reached out to our party people on the Dinner Party Show Facebook page, and we got some fun responses, but we have lots of responses of our own. But before we get there, I'm going to let Eric make one more joke about my age, and then he can never make one ever, ever, and ever again. So hit me with your Uh, I'm saving it for later. I'm Uh, saving it for a different time. You're so unpredictable. I'm also not agreeing to that, but yeah, you know. okay, it's not in my contract. No, I, you know, like I like being in my 40s. Um, I don't like having hair this. Which long. is why he's such a good sport about it. I do. I like being in my 40s. I'm hiding it from you so that you can you don't know how much I really like it. well. It is amazing. Well, he is talk, so undercover about this. Let's talk about 72. I mean, how are you feeling in another few days? I can't remember 72. <laughs> that was so many years ago. Yes. You're, what are you going to be? What are you going to tell that the I'm party a hun- people? I will be 117 next week. 117. You're such. You're so inspiring. I really am. Okay, that's really it. Am. You're not going to tell them you're. You're what? I think. I, I think it's 62 this year, isn't it? Do you think? Now this is an issue. Well, you have trouble see, adding have, up your I, years. I didn't have a birthday last year, so I think I'm still 61, but I think it's 62 technically this year. But since I didn't have a birthday last year, I think it shouldn't count. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll and I'm terrible at calculating things. I might actually get it wrong because yeah. I honestly don't care that much. And so like, yeah, 62 seems right. What yeah, What I'm, year in the 1930s were you born? Which one? <laughs> 
It was the 1830s. It was Christopher, the 1830s. You always make yes. that mistake. I know you were had you were in the hat. Your family was in the hat industry. You made bowler hats, and then um, that's correct. Yeah. I was the original Mad Hatter, the original. but I was just really irritable. I didn't kill people. I was yeah. just really an, an irritable hat maker. I was millinery was not my calling. Okay, this I was is going to be hostile a, about it. This is going to be a warm up for what we're eventually going to talk about. But I recently discovered a television show that I had completely ignored because it's a spinoff of a show that I did wasn't a fan of. But I also um, ignored. You, but you called me. To, or you texted me to say, have you heard about this really hot gay couple on 911 Lone Star? They're up for a Glad Media Award or the show And then is. I sent him pictures of the actors who played the gay couple. And lo and behold, wouldn't you know it, I was on my sofa binging 911 Lone Star. It's actually a fun, enjoyable show. It's popcorn. It's bubblegum. It's a, it's a cop and fireman show and whatever. But... They did a storyline and like the, every show opens with like the crazy emergency they have to show up and fix. So they did this corporate lunch right there in this office and lunch has been catered and they're doing a lunch business meeting and someone's giving a presentation and mo- every other person starts to go crazy and they start to scratch at themselves like violently so much that they start to draw blood and it's really gross. And it was actually pressed some of my buttons. I had to look away from the screen. But the cause of it is apparently that the caterer that they did not ever tip decided to poison the food with um, mercury to simulate. Not that he just happened to have on him. Right. He had some mercury. But the goal was to create something called Mad Hatter's disease, which was apparently a real thing. So I called Eric because I'm like, if there's anything Eric is going to know about, it's Mad Hatter's disease. And lo and behold, (laughs) Eric had all the facts at the ready. And explained, what did you explain, Eric Sharquin? Well, I was just talking about the the Mad Hatter was an actual serial killer in, I don't know if he was a killer so much, but he was a poisoner um, living in a time. He was a milliner. He made hats and he would put um, mercury into the band of the hat so that while mm. you were wearing it, the you, it was transdermal. Um, mm-hmm. You would be getting poisoned by mercury and it would drive you slowly insane. But the key word being... Slowly. slowly not over because the course of a lunch if you just ate a salad that had been doused liberally with mercury you would just die it would be actually poison and you would just <laughs> die you wouldn't like scratch yourself and then jump through a window they you would jumped just through, that's right they banged themselves up against a plate glass wall in this office atrium and went through it it was just like total instant madness after a couple bites of salad and sandwiches yeah. I, it was i don't yeah. think it works that way i think if you eat mercury directly like that in large enough quantities that you'd just die you wouldn't yeah. actually pause in the insanity stage you might be insane as you were writhing on the floor dying but still yeah okay well, that's our that's our installment of Mad Hatter's Disease Are Us. See, doesn't this, this we're already off to a lighthearted start here <laughs> at um, <laughs> Chris, PBS presents Christopher and Eric, who determined to have just a fun, lighthearted discussion of mercury poisoning here to just kick off today's birthday festivities because that's the way Christopher and I roll. Yeah, Christopher was looking for something. Um, he t- We'd talked on the phone earlier and he was uh-huh. looking for a show that was like lighthearted. We'd watch something really heavy. I can't remember what, but it was like, okay, I need... Um, some kind of uh, did we watch it for the podcast or we watched it for something else no I don't think so I think it was just a you know it was good but a darker show and uh, something 
but you were like, you wanted something lighter. And I happened to see that, that, uh, 911 Austin or whatever it's called was getting a glad award. And I was like, what? Yeah. And it turns out that uh, principal that Rob Lowe's the guy who plays Rob Lowe's son in the, in the show is, um, I, the character is gay and, uh, is in a relationship and it's pretty much front and center according to Christopher. With so a I gay cop. texted yeah, him, man. And, and the, it's, uh, yeah. I said, that's what I said. Did you know that, um, that 911 Austin, uh, features a relationship between a gay cop and a gay fireman? And Christopher was like, what? <laughs> I was all over it. And their names uh-huh. are Carlos and something with a T, which I've already forgotten. So their couple name is Tarlos. And I announced on Instagram that I was now a Tarlos fan account. So get ready. And that was the last Tarlos thing I posted three weeks ago. So clearly I've already abandoned that endeavor. But there'll be plenty more. Yes, absolutely. Over at Uncle Eric's house, I had started watching the new Jared Padalecki, Padalecki um, series, uh, the reboot of uh, Walker, Texas Ranger. And, and how is we, that I, going? Well, I was opining to Christopher on the phone that I wasn't sure if it was going to pan out. There's a, he has a, The character has a gay brother who's in a relationship with another man. And so, you know, like there was starting, there was some bright spots, but it was a little feelings driven and a little family oriented. And I'm not enough, it didn't seem like it was going to be, was there going to be enough um, actual crime solving and, that kind of stuff that was happening, but it seemed to be like not the first priority. And then, so we were having this conversation. I said, yeah, I'll watch it again tonight probably, but this could be my last episode. And so within two minutes of the opening of uh, the the third episode, uh, we were in an all-male strip club and Matt Barr, who is one of my favorites, was stripping on stage um, wearing a cowboy hat and some assless chaps, and I thought, okay, tell us some more about Matt Barr, Eric Shawquin. Never going to be able to stop watching this show. Some more about Matt Barr. Yeah, well, like who is Matt Barr? Matt Barr is, um, well, he's a. I think he's mostly a television star. The only movie I've ever seen him in is a movie with Jensen Eccles, also from Supernatural, um, mm. called Tenant Hero. Um, I'm sorry. Where, what kind of movie is this? It's called Ten Inch Hero. It is a movie. Okay. Hero. It's it's there. Believe it or not, they're talking about a sandwich. But I think that I think the double entendre is intended. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The scene, the three-way scene with Matt Barr and the other guy and the woman who eventually I think married Jensen Ackles after the production, um, is pretty close to the line on what kind of what you call it and she to her credit says well why don't you two just cut out the middleman and go ahead and have sex with each other as she storms out and matt barr's character seems like he might be okay with that the other Mm -hmm. guy is a little testier but it is her ex-boyfriend so Mm. um he was being broken up with so it may have been more about feelings than actual concerns anyway okay um, yeah the thing that my favorite Matt Barr story is that Matt Barr used to work out at um, the, the the area of the West Hollywood Park that we call, we used to call Hooker Gym. I don't mm-hmm. know if we, I don't think that that may be appropriate anymore or not. But <laughs> I um, actually think Hooker Gym is also gone. I think the area, part of the park renovation did away with it. But yeah, anyway, I think ahead. it is. But Sex it was Hooker yeah, Gym. Bars yes. and whatever. But yeah, I would walk by there and I would be like, and he would be there like in a, tiny 
tiny, teeny, tiny little pair of um, silky little shorts um, and nothing and tennis shoes and nothing else. And he would be doing weights and pull-ups and whatever. And it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I would just applaud as I walked mm-hmm. past the park. I'd be like, yes, thank mm-hmm. you, Matt. Thank you for coming by. It's been lovely to see you. And uh, yeah, I think there are probably pictures of that online. If you look for, if you uh, Google Matt Barr and the working out in the park. I think you may get to see what I actually saw in person. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. Okay, well, enough of the stupid crap we've been watching on our televisions. Let's check in with our party people and see what they've been watching. Absolutely. What is it that's been getting you out of the confines of your mind, if not your house? Well, I will say there was a trend line with a lot of the responses that we got, which is people are enjoying traveling to the United Kingdom by way of their television programming. Sean Talka said, I'll watch anything British. I find them all comforting. I wonder if Luther is included in that. Luther is British and one of the most disturbing television shows I've seen. Yeah, or um, what's the other one? The um, It's called, oh, it's named after that section, Whitehall? Oh, Whitechapel. Whitechapel, oh, that's my it, God. Whitechapel. So scary. Also really terrifying. That one where the guy's hiding in the wall, the murderer is living in the walls of the house. Yeah, oh, okay. God. Once yeah. again, yeah, a light episode, doing a light yeah. episode here at TDPS. Just, yeah, another, yes, lighthearted departure to, to jolly old England. Uh, keeping it United Kingdom, uh, Deborah Longton says, I recently just escaped my time and place binge watching on PBS Passport, Miss Scarlet and the Duke, which is a oh, show that you God. and I have enjoyed. Just amazing. What a great show. I really love that show. That is and, really And why do you love it, Eric Sharquin? Is it the Duke? Is it because the Duke is a babe? I have to say the Duke is a babe. It doesn't hurt. The chemistry between the two of them is on fire. So yeah, give and us the he's, premise. He's a babe. Um, She is the very well-educated daughter of a former, I believe, police detective who became a private detective and uh, then passed away. But he taught her all of his skills. And she is trying then as a woman in, is it Victorian? I'm not sure exactly what time, but I'm going to guess Victorian. um, England, but, you know, a while back where women were allowed to you know, I occasionally go out on the street if they were accompanied by an appropriate person. And yeah. she's trying to be a private detective and people are not into it. So I find that it's really realistic. They're not just, you know, she's not a smart mouthed woman who manages to uh, push her way in. She is thrown out on a regular basis by men who are not cool with her doing stuff that's not in keeping with her station. Women do not even have the right to vote. Um, so they certainly are not welcome to um, present any other agency for themselves. But um, their childhood, former childhood friends, 
the Duke is, and he's actually a detective at Scotland Yards, and she keeps getting herself involved in cases that he's trying to solve, and she does help him, and he begrudgingly has to admit it, but he is still not very supportive, and it's not, it's a really interesting take on the topic. It's still very, it's beautiful, it's very well done, uh, the period, I think, is very well depicted, and it's talking about somebody who's being a pioneer. She is, you know, not and, and in a realistic way, not in a, you know, and then everything was great kind of way. She hung out a shingle, and then everybody came to her office. Nobody is, and she's having a tough time, but she's still sticking with it. I, I really I, I'll, I'll it. say it was very realistic in the first episode. While I enjoyed it, it was almost too realistic for me, and then in the second episode, she scored some wins and, and started to build a team around her, and I was like, okay, I'm in. I'm Also, I, a nice address of what gay life was like during that period in the second second episode yeah. at least that's as far as i've watched um yeah but yeah interesting to, uh, sort of just, just allusions to it and whatever yeah it is it is it's a very nice show i think it's very well put together well scripted interesting the mysteries are pretty good and uh the, and the performances are astonishing the two of them are really top-notch and the chemistry between them like i'm saying it'll heat up your living room Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deborah also recommended another one that I know that you were a fan of, and I was a fan of it as well, which was an Amsterdam Holland set mystery called Vanderbilt, uh, which was also oh, a masterpiece. Yeah. That yeah. was great. That was so much fun. Really enjoy that actor. I can't remember his name offhand, but yeah. he is really, I really something else. The guy who plays uh, Vander Snoop, as I called him. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really excellent. Interesting sort of development of the sort of unorthodox methodology of his particular um, crime-solving unit. And, uh, yeah, I thought a very fun show overall. Also uh, clearly shot in Amsterdam, a lot of it, and beautiful city and really interesting to sort of tour the city. It was a good good suggestion, Deborah. That's a really yeah, great one because that really did take me to Amsterdam, and I, I don't, I'm not familiar with that place. I, I have never been, and it was. It's, it is very well, it's very evocative of the place. It's and I think there's this interesting the thing that they do in that show, and they did it with their version of Wallander on the BBC, which is they, they go and they film in the actual European location, but they do it with an entirely British cast, and often what will happen, I can't remember if this happened to Vanderwalk or not, but I knew it happened in Wallander. If you saw a television screen or a newspaper or a sign, they were all in the local language. Like there was everything was in Swedish yes. on the TV screen on the whatever, and then you had Kenneth Branagh playing the part. So you weren't treated to British actors mangling the local accents, but you also weren't treated to local actors either. Which and you know people may have feelings about that, but I thought it was really interesting. It was like this is the British version of the show because with a lot of those yes. shows there have been multiple versions. Like there were multiple versions of the Wallander movies and shows and different languages and all that sort of stuff so anyway we like our stuff international here at the dinner party show network that's right but we also are pretty fond of english so that doesn't bother us either absolutely now let's go um i have never heard of this justina demick uh recommends a show called republic of doyle which is set on saint john's island yes justine kept watching for the scenery long after they tired of the plots And your mom was a watched every single oh, episode she? of this show and was carrying on about. She was like, "Save me, save me! I can't stop! I can't stop!" <laughs> and I was like, "Just, just tough it out, babe. It'll you'll run out of, of episodes eventually." It is wild and crazy. It is very funny. It is very. It is almost as much a comedy as it is 
a detective show. They are they are cut ups. Um, the, the father and son are always ragging on each other. They're both det- they're always detectives. And they're always getting up to something, and the son's forever getting punched in the face for being the smart ass and scallywag that we all know he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a fun one. That That's a fun one. And it is a beautiful, I, I guess, I don't know if they actually film there or not. I guess uh, I'm going to trust Justine to know. Um, but I just, beautiful, wherever they shot it. I, I guess it was shot in St. John's Island. But where I don't is the real St. John's Island? I don't know where that is. I'm I'm believing from remembering back to the episodes of the show I have seen that it's um that it's Canada that it's like near Newfoundland that okay. it's that sort of that yeah. that side of Canada the northern above Maine that sort of place although I have to say it always looks warmer and sunnier on the show so maybe I'm I'm getting that wrong um you know you would think north of Maine would be uh, things get pretty chilly weird i know that scotland's climate is not always what you would would expect it to be because of the jet stream i believe it is loops up and actually makes it warmer in in scotland than you would think given how far north it is yeah i think that's true of all of england yeah <clears throat> you know given the the actual location it is kind of are you well, looking no, something up one, right now st john's yes i'm looking st john's no, that's St. John in the Virgin Islands. Yeah, that's not it. No, that's not it. No, no, no. St. John's Island. <laughs> yeah. It is, yeah, There's. this is Canada, and it is off the coast of, wait a minute, we're... Backing up, we're backing up, we're backing up. <laughs> we're doing yes, a new it podcast. Is, it is on the it's on the southern coast of Newfoundland. We're gonna do a new podcast called Where Is That? And people will just ask us we'll look stuff up on the podcast. Where is that? Well, let's look. <laughs> oh, but that's a fun departure. Yeah. <laughs> it is fun. Because I yeah. they went to Newfoundland, I think, recently on an episode that I saw to to find to they were pursuing somebody. There's a ferry boat that takes them back and forth. It's kind of reminiscent of um, what's the the one we love the um, the one that you were so crazy about uh, Shetland, where they're always taking the ferry. That's boat That's going to be one mainland. of mine. That's going to be one of mine. Spoiler alert: Shetland is one of my favorite trips out of my head. Uh, Carol Horger Bull says the Quiet Man is a big fave because of her love of Ireland, and she's capitalized "love of Ireland" as if it is the title of something, which I love. Um, she's also a big fan of the Kira Knightley Pride and Prejudice for its music and English countryside. Oh, and she likes another show that shall not be named because I won't say its name. Oh, the Middle Ground no, Murders. No, no. Yes. No I Midsummer Murders. Midsummer Murders. And the best thing about Midsummer Murders is not only do you spend all of your life in uh, the British countryside and village life, so is that there are 20 at least 20 years of episodes 20,000 yes there are 20,000 episodes it's really like so if you like it it lasts for years and ripper street which she also likes right um which is set in whitehall during uh just after the uh the the the, um jack the ripper murders i believe that's why they call it ripper street it's been a long time one of the best scripted the dialogue is among the best i have ever heard it's like what if shakespeare wrote a detective show it's mm-hmm. just astonishing and the performances are breathtaking really couldn't recommend it more um pretty tough pretty brutal but wow what a great show 
Uh, We had a book recommendation from Angie Thompson. She read a novel recently called The Great Alone by Kristen Hanna, which I have also read, which she says definitely transported me to Alaska. It did the same to me. Kristen Hanna just had another book come out recently called The Four Winds. Hugely famous author. Her book The Nightingale was a phenomenon, which is going to become a movie with the Fanning sisters, Elle Fanning and Dakota Fanning. They were actually in the middle of shooting it when the coronavirus pandemic hit, and I think they plan to finish it. Because a lot of people are waiting for it. But yeah, I highly right. recommend The Great Alone as well. Um, Natalie Gudermason, apologies. I know that I probably mispronounced your name before and I mispronounced it again. She is a fan of the Motorcycle Diaries because it gives you a tour of South America and an intimate look at Machu Picchu without tourists or the epic hike. Have you ever seen pictures of people hiking up to Machu Picchu and Machu Picchu? Did I? My now. I want to crawl under my desk right now. The Incan That's City. Really okay, we're let's call it the Incan um, City in Peru. I have never. I don't know that I've ever seen pictures of people hiking up to it. It's like on the top of a mountain. It looks. It? I'm afraid of heights, and it looks absolutely terrifying. I don't. I don't yeah, know if I could do I, it. I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, we Christopher. I stopped making when we went to Italy. Oh I stopped making God. Christopher climb up to the tops of all the Campanile because it was driving him crazy and. You know, there was no stopping me. I, if there was a staircase, I was going to go up. No, it and but the, and then the to... one where you let me off the hook. Describe it for people because it turned out. Oh to yeah, be... what was the name of that city? Um, it was the remember. walled city, and we went to this. It was a walled city in Siena, and I had said, "Okay, you don't have to do this anymore. You can stop climbing." And in it, you had to. You climbed up this long staircase until you got to a ladder which you climbed up to a hatch in the floor of the top sort of of the turret, which you could then go up and lean over the sides and look down and it would have, Christopher would Did have you go up the it ladder? Just, Did you go up the ladder? Oh yeah. But, and you could have fallen backwards off the ladder and all the way down. Is that how that worked or what? I think so. Yeah. Oh my God. And, Eric Shaw. And then plus once I got up there, there was just, you know, you were in this area with like, a balustrade around the edge, so I went and hung over the sides and looked down to see what I could see. Yeah, everything about it would have just completely... I have a healthy respect for heights, but it doesn't flip me out the way that that it does you, as we've pointed out. I am six foot three, and many guardrails come up to my waist. They come up to my waist. It's the heights are different for me, but I, I'm the same way. I I will never drive on Highway One again. I went driving down Highway One with an insane boyfriend who drove like a New York cab driver in a giant SUV that could have tipped over at any moment. It was the it was the the best cardio exercise I've ever had, and I didn't even have to move. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, also, a recommendation from Natalie is the Secret Life of Walter Mitty. When I'm in Canada and homesick for Iceland. Homesick for Iceland. Okay, I didn't. With this, we're discovering that Natalie is Icelandic. We didn't know this about Natalie, or she said it before. And I, was too... I think it's Gutormson. Yes, Gutormson. I can. I can yes. see that. Yeah, Natalie Gutormson. I think I'm getting closer. I'm sure I'm still not right, but yeah. I listen. I'm just impressed that we have party people who are so whose tastes are so in line Ooh. with ours. Hogwarts, yes, I that was fun being there. That was a great choice. Narnia, I've never read the Narnia. Um, oh, in Middle Earth, oh my yeah. god, yeah. yes, absolutely. Those are all great destinations. Good, good choices, all Natalie. 
And I'm going to save, I'm going to let us get into ours and then we'll save the other ones we have for the end because they got a little different and they went to different places. But so Eric Shaw Quinn, what is, did you do movie or TV show or both? What is your escape? Well, I'll tell you. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Since you pitched it out to that commercial break so elegantly well, last isn't time. was dramatic? <laughs> I just couldn't resist doing that. I was like, well, I perfect. We got the call for time. And I thought, well, this is perfect. Okay. Well, so I'll tell you what I really think. Yes. Cliffhanger. Thum, thum, thum. So what is your uh, escape? No, what, I was, what I was going to say is I didn't know. I don't know that I picked anything specifically. Like a lot of these have been great suggestions. Obviously, village life in the UK. Mm. Um, any of the, um, any of the. I was trying to think. Like the th- I do love that movies take you to a place in a time that you couldn't be. So I love the more extraneous or further along that you could be. But like, yeah, the UK thing for me, England for me is like I, Mary Poppins, um, Sherlock Holmes. Pick anything as long as you're taking me. Miss Marple, take me back, and I'm and I'm I'm good to go. But I love the sort of fanciful things as well. Going to to Hogwarts, and and some of it is about. Um, for me, I can feel as liberated by the subject of the story. Um, mm. We mentioned a couple of episodes. Uh, one of my favorite old movies. It's a tiny little, kind of independent movie. I think it's the first film ever directed by. Um, a director who I have a great deal of respect for, Hetty McDonald. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's Hetty McDaniel. Anyway, um, I don't think that's right. I think it's McDonald. Uh, directed a film called Beautiful Thing. Oh, yeah. And they actually live in the projects, kind of. It's mm-hmm. not a very glamorous kind of place in England, but their complete freedom in being enamored of each other is something that I could, you know, live through again and again. I loved reading a lot of what I loved about reading the Vampire Chronicles mm. was the beautiful and evocative descriptions of Louisiana. It was mm-hmm. like a trip home. Mm-hmm. There are parts of Merrick, the book Merrick, mm-hmm. that are so vivid for me as they're go- somebody is traveling out to a plantation in the countryside in the darkness in um Louisiana and I could I could taste it you know mm-hmm. that way that you can taste something that you smell the the sort of all of the decay and the moist earth and the mm-hmm. big green trees that sort of wonderful green swampy smell of it was it's very vivid for me um uh but it can be as much about the subject as the location mm. 
the the sort of uh, freedom for me, you know, the, the the being somewhere that's just sort of fun to be, or in a storyline that that seems fun or or liberated to me. There's that movie Big Eden. Mm, I haven't um, seen it yet. Which is which is set in the big sky country of mm. uh, of the United States, but. Uh, which is beautiful, but as much as, as beautiful as that is, the complete acceptance for this um, this man coming, this gay man coming home to the small town in, I think it's Montana, um, but the big sky part mm-hmm. of the United States, um, the complete acceptance that he experiences in the community is as means as much to me, it, as freeing to me as um, as the beautiful. God, gorgeous scenery mm. um, itself. Driving through the country, the Southwest with Thelma and Louise. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. What a wonderful, yeah. What an amazing sort of trip. So I don't know. It, it, it's sort of um, sometimes fantasy. Uh, the, the, the idea of going back to Hogwarts and watching um, all of that sort of fanciful places. Um, and sometimes it's very realistic and sometimes even gritty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that if gritty is a setup for we're going to deal with and resolve a problem, which it often is, you know, like we're going to solve a mystery, we're going to get justice for somebody, that can still be very comforting, even if there are rocks in the road on the way there. Anything by Guy Ritchie, I absolutely love being a part of, and God, it's hardly bucolic scenery. Mm Mm-hmm. I took a different tack with this question as well, which I say is if we didn't come up with the question and it was forced on us in some way. Um, I went to a combination. I found I isolated two movies in my head, not just because I found them comforting, but because watching them brings back where I was in my life when I first saw them. And they're both classics. And they're neither one of them is like the subject matter is intense for both of them. But they both take me back to being a young child discovering the magic of the movies for the first time. But because they are set in older periods, there's almost like a soft focus on them. And one is a thriller that a lot of people consider disturbing, but it's Vertigo. Because it, oh, yeah, it brings God, back. God, that's gorgeous. My God, that is gorgeous. Uh, it brings back a San Francisco that I grew up in. I, I was born long after Vertigo was filmed. I was going to say, but it, no, you know, it does not. There you're are, old, but you're not that there old. There are aspects of it that are that are very evocative of my youth there and things that it are still gorgeous. there. It is gorgeous. Yeah. My God, it's beautiful. And the other one is Rear Window because I remember, it was kind of an ironic response. When I watched it for the first time, I remember being really struck by what I saw as the coziness of that courtyard that it takes place mm-hmm. in. But and then I turned it on last night before we recorded this, and I wanted to watch it again, and I realized that part of the reason the courtyard is so central is because it's taking place during a terrible heat wave, and everyone has their windows open because they're suffocating, essentially. Right. And people are actually really uncomfortable. And so when the movie started, I was like, why did I like going back here? I don't understand this. But then as it started going, I realized, again, it was the appeal of a man being able to solve a mystery without actually going anywhere. Like he just looks Without out his window. The house. Yeah. yeah, and I read some online about um, the fact that the star of the movie is really the set. They built the set on Paramount Studios, where we worked for a period of time, and uh-huh. um, it was an incredibly expensive set, really elaborate for the time, and that was because it had a drainage system. 
that was really unique because they were going to have a rain sequence and they, they literally deluged it with rain and the water needed to be able to leave through the ground like it would in an actual urban courtyard. Right. Um, it was based on an actual courtyard from, I believe, in the East Village at the time. They sort of modeled it huh. after an existing one. Yeah. And I just, and I, as the movie wore on last night, I got over the heat wave part and I really just liked being back there, which again is ironic because the movie is in part about the alienation that the neighbors have from one another. There is a moment where, if you don't know the film, Jimmy Stewart is in a wheelchair because of an accident. He's broken his leg and he starts to believe, based on what he's seeing across the courtyard, that his neighbor has murdered his wife. He's a photographer, isn't yes, he? Yes, Jimmy Stewart is a photographer. And Raymond Burr is actually your favorite from the original Perry yes, Mason. I love Raymond Burr. Is the murderer and he is doing strange things through his windows that Jimmy thinks is suspicious. And so... Um, after a while, I completely forgot where I was going with my point. But Does it take place in New York? It takes place in Manhattan. But Yeah, I didn't remember that specifically, but yeah, some urban environment. Here's where I was going. Um, a neighbor's dog starts to, get, starts to dig in a part of the garden where Jimmy Stewart believes the murderer, the suspected murderer, has buried some implements or whatever, and the dog is killed. Somebody kills the dog. And the dog's owner makes this really... Um, painful speech off her fire escape. You've never heard her speak before because you're seeing all these people from a distance. And she basically says, what does this dog do? You know, she knows nothing about the murder. She says, he's just friendly to everybody. Is that why you killed him? Because he liked you. And she's got this new, did you kill him because he liked you? And it's the <laughs> only time all the neighbors sort of focus on one thing at the same time. And they're, they, you know, it's this sort of painful moment. And then towards the end of the movie, you know, Miss Lonely Hearts is hooked up with the musician and the happy things, Hollywood things are happening. But it was strange for me to, I think revisiting the movie, I realized it was more about seeing it as a young person being completely wrapped up in the world and maybe not being so attuned to the darker undercurrents in the story as I was as an adult. But still, I just, it was, it was a pleasure to watch it again. And it really took me off my sofa. He is, he is really... He does an astonishing job of creating a place and a time of Absolutely. wherever, yeah. wherever it is. Even though his stories are very dark, the places are very real and very sort of, yeah, atmosphere. They offer you an atmosphere of, of, I don't know, shelter from the real world. Yeah, I know that's a weird thing to say because his because they're always you know some terrible murderous thing. But Bodega Bay is lovely mm-hmm. and. Um, honest to God, that old Victorian house in Psycho is, you know, mm-hmm. if it wasn't, if there wasn't a dead lady up there, it would maybe <laughs> not be such a, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but the world is that way. The world is beautiful. It's, right. you know, what we're doing in it. That's maybe not so lovely, but he sees the beauty even, uh, even through the darkness of the world and in, in the things that he puts together, his movies are beautiful. Mm-hmm. They are. And yeah, none is more beautiful than Vertigo. That. God, that is a beautiful movie. Yeah. But I will say, I want to... Go ahead. The new Ratchet series on... Oh, yeah. Um, on... Uh, on uh, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, Brian Murphy. Uh, really has that, captures that kind of... Um, it's the same time period as Vertigo, mm-hmm. and it captures a lot of the that sort of cinem- cinematographic, however mm-hmm. you'd say that, cinematographic... Um, uh, beauty that uh, that Vertigo has as well. The 
the color, the saturated color and beautiful environments and those wonderful old cars and stuff. They were actually terrible. Those cars were hideous. (laughs) I'm old enough to have ridden in them. They were crap. Um, On the TV front, anything, and this is like a joke that you will make with me, um, anything from, I am excited by vast open spaces. I find them comforting. And I don't know why that there is. There's a long shot of cars driving through large, desolate places. Christopher's going to love it. I'm going to love it. And it's something, it's it's an ironic thing because vast open spaces are often very dangerous and forbidding. They're windswept or they're deserts or they're cold or you never, but I like, it's the sense that nothing is going to be in your way. You can just drive and drive and drive and drive and drive. So if you, if you combine a mystery with that element, like I, n- nothing will stand in my way as I bring justice or order to this world. I'm in. And Shetland is that series for me. Based yeah. on the Anne Cleves books, um, it's set on the Shetland Islands off the north coast of Scotland. Uh, it's re- I just love it. It's my it's my candy. I, they, apparently they're doing another season and I'm going to line up for it. But Great. Yeah. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't wait. I love that one too. Um there's a whole there's a, a area called the Lake District oh, in yeah. um in England that's very well depicted in I think it's called Miss Potter. It's a mm-hmm. uh Renee Zellweger film. Beatrix Potter, the author, actually is largely responsible for this region of the country existing. It she was so taken with it and it was such a part of her she illustrated her children's stories, which were huge hits. And had vacation there as a child, so they were based off the Lake District. And when she saw development starting to encroach, she bought a lot of the this particular region of the country and mm-hmm. then donated it, I believe, as a as a park uh, to the country, so that all of the that sort of part of the world can be um, could be preserved and people could continue to see it. But a Almost everything, everything gets filmed there, and it yeah. is because it is so historical and beautiful. All the dry stack stone, and and so pretty much anything. So Miss Potter would be a wonderful example of a right. of an escape movie because it takes place in that beautiful part of the world, and then anything filmed there. My God, mm-hmm. what a beautiful, um, mm-hmm. beautiful region. Um, so in a beautiful country. Going back to our party people on the Facebook page, Mark Wilson went to a completely different part of the world. He said movies about India interest me. Passage to India repeats on PBS every couple of years. The best exotic oh. marigold hotel and eat, pray, love. Oh, yes. And, of course, Slumdog Millionaire depict the colorful and complicated culture. I want more, he says. Also, I want a movie about the tapas bars that open late at night in Madrid. Feast for the eyes and the stomach. Yes. <laughs> And then bringing it back to the continental United States where we record this show, Don McNary says, Virgin River, which happens to be one oh, of my favorites. favorites. I love it. I, I love small town romance novels. They are my candy. I will. I don't care how poorly written or how some of them are wonderfully written. Some of them are not. I will give me a quaint little town where everything is okay. I don't care if there's a gay or not, although I love it if there is. But there's yeah, not really a lot. Yeah, really it there. helps. Um Vicar of Dibley, which is something Anne of Rice. Oh, was... I love the Vicar of yeah. Dibley. That's uh, that's such a great example. That sort of departure into village life. I have recently shared that with your mom, mm-hmm. and she's I think quite taken with it. Um, at least so far, we'll have to see. But yeah, I love that show. And Richard Armitage shows up later in the series for a really um, spectacular um, 
contribution to the series overall. Yeah. Don also talks Can't about a show that him. I don't know much about called Somebody Feed Phil. And I think that's a former producer of Everybody Loves Raymond travels around the world eating and trying different foods. Huh. And she says this has been a way for her to explore cultures around the globe and has been one of her favorite finds during COVID. What an interesting thing. Yeah. And there was uh, Anthony Bourdain did that, mm-hmm. traveled and, and ate around the world. I, I could see the appeal to that for the the beautiful cuisine and the wonderful. But I think I would gain 25 pounds. Yeah. Um, because I would have to eat every time they did. Well, that, yeah. Then you can do watch Eric run. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've actually gone in and I set up the uh, the uh, treadmill before we started recording today so that I wouldn't have any excuse for going oh, in there wow. and getting right on the treadmill as soon as we get done so that I get in my 12,000 steps after sitting on my big fat butt all day recording all these sessions. All right. I, let's not talk about your butt. To, like, let's not be mean about your butt. Let's be butt positive. Get, I need to get in there and get in. And I'm very positive about my butt. but. <laughs> Just crazy about it. But, Hashtag um, butt positive. But I know I've been sitting on it all day. I read somewhere that 11 minutes, I think it's 11 minutes, is enough to counteract a day of sitting at your desk. I do considerably more than that, closer to two hours. But um, but yeah, it's nice to know that if you know if you don't have two hours, that 11 minutes will at least sort of reset your system from... All of the stuff that's, I don't know, all of the cholesterol, whatever, that's settled on the bottom half of you while you've been sitting there. You know, I have a trampoline. I bought a little trampoline that I've been jumping on. I know. Yeah. I'm thankful for it because it it caused me to look at the... Uh, the Amazon and see that they had fold up uh, treadmills and got me on the treadmill, which has been a godsend since we've been locked inside. I mean, really, but okay, let's get serious for a minute. How much longer do you think this is going to go on? (laughs) It's like, you know, we did our fun. We did our fun side of this episode, but you know, it's March 14th. So it's like, what do you think? The fall things will sort of start to stabilize to some degree. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we will be getting to a better place by, you know, the end of summer, early fall, and that we'll be able to get back out in the world and mix it up or whatever. Your mom's got a big birthday coming up in October. I'd love to be there for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like that would be a nice sort of goal. We'll see how it happens. I, I have to say I have found a sort of home alone quality to this that I, you know, I found a place, a way to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, certainly has its drawbacks and there are certainly problems, but I have managed to get to a place where I have a pretty good time most of the time. Yeah. Um, availing myself of the good things rather than focusing on the things that it's, you know, that it lacks. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been helpful to me, but uh, you know, this has been a great exploration. I've gotten some great ideas out of today's uh, episode for things we can do. And my birthday is coming up. So we'll see if I'm such a great sport about having the, (laughs) this pandemic steal another of my birthdays. God damn it. Um, But we'll see. We'll see. We'll see a lot of things. I think the big thing that we figured out right away when it started was we figured out how to keep doing this show. And I think that was a lot of podcasters adapted pretty quickly and it, it's been a huge help. Yeah, and it's it's given us a schedule that we... Otherwise, we sort of have to impose our own writing schedules. We have to be our own boss in that respect. 
But having the structure of this show and knowing that the episodes go up every Sunday and we promote them on social media around that time, it has given a, right. a, 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 a spine, if you will, to this experience that, that I've needed, you know. and uh, Yeah, it has helped. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I miss conferences. I miss traveling. I, when I realize, I, it's very rare that I've spent an entire year uninterrupted in my own bed. But that's just because I'm such a slut. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I meant at all. That's just because I usually travel and I go to conferences and I go, right. you know, to other places. When I realized the other night, wow, I have been in every night in my own bed for over a year. It's like, wow. Wow. Yeah. This is the only time I get to see you. I know. I know. There have been some brief visits. Like, we're practically in each other's bubble. Like, we don't yeah. see anybody else, but... We're really yeah. just a few. I saw you in person when we went to get flu shots, and... Yeah. Um, there, you've been by a time or two to drop stuff off at the door. And you I... actually came in right? and saw the village. The Christmas village, right? I came in the and saw Christmas that. Christmas yeah. splurge. Mm-hmm. Came in masked and all, but still came in and had a look around and took some pictures. Um, but yeah, for the most part, this has been... Um, the way in which I actually see you or anyone else other than the housekeeper, I don't really see anybody. I mean, I pass neighbors in the hall, but we're all, you know, mm-hmm. sealed in saran wrap and yeah. wearing a mask and all. So, yeah. So, yeah, this has been a great birthday treat and nice to um, explore ideas on how to uh, leave the house without being, you know leaving the house absolutely thank you to everyone who responded and as a reminder we always do the wednesday question on our facebook page and if we don't do the wednesday question angelina farmer reminds us to do the wednesday question which we love that's right because we We love knowing that people are waiting for it so um we'll be back with another passel of episodes soon probably the return of true crime tv club and some other things we did all the light this week Absolutely. Yeah. It will definitely be more true. But maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to do um, some Wives with Knives. and um, <laughs> We've had some heavy shit. <laughs> heavy yeah. shit. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we've been through some kind of heavy, so maybe we need some more uh, Dateline uh, episodes of trashy people doing stupid things. Yes, we'll, we'll figure that out soon, I'm sure. Until then and forever after, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher... And Eric. Thanks. Happy birthday, Christopher. This is TDPS.